You are listening to audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church on the corner of Ebenezer Church and Pleasant Green Road. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go to ebcconnect.org. Now here's our pastor with this week's sermon. All right. Um, we are in, or um, kind of wrapping up this, this whole idea of revisioning. And uh, we've covered several different things. And I want to remind us of what our, our mission statement is and, and why we do this. This is our why, why we exist. So, so the mission statement is this. Ebenezer Baptist Church exists to, it exists to develop, to develop authentic believers or authentic followers of Jesus Christ who impact the world. Right? Got it? All right, and so our, our mission, why we exist, is that. And that's exactly what a mission is. It is a why statement. It's a, a statement of strategic intent so that we can hang our hats on something that says, this is why this church exists. It does not exist to hold down this spot of land, and we just put buildings on it so that we can say there's a church there. We don't exist so that so that somewhere in the ratio of how, how this community is laid out, there happens to be a community of faith on this corner. We exist because God has called us to do something. And it's to develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ who impact the world. It means that us, who are part of the family here, are here because we want to develop, grow, be equipped to, to follow Jesus with all that we are so that what is on the inside is the same thing that comes outside. So we want to be authentic. We want to be real, not plastic or not fake. None of those things. We want to be real, authentic people of God following this person called Jesus Christ. And we find what, what Jesus did and what he's about, we find that in Scripture. She said, we want to be authentic followers of Jesus Christ who impact the world. Which means we want to be authentic followers that don't just park here on Sundays or Wednesdays or whatever other time you want to state. That's not why we exist. We exist to be outside of this building having an influence or impacting what is around us. And so if it means that, that our impact goes just down the street a little ways, that's one thing. It also means that our impact could go across town. Our impact could go around the world, whether it be to Asia or Europe or um, South America or somewhere else. That's part of who we want to impact with the gospel of Christ. So when we talk about our mission, why we exist to develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ who impact the world, it's not just a statement that we can throw on the wall and say, hey, look, look what we are. We're the sign. It's not that. It's something that, that stirs within us that which, that which Scripture would call us to do. And it's based on Matthew 22, 36 through 40, and Matthew 28, 19 and 20. That we would love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the other part of that in Matthew 28 is that as we are going, we would make disciples. 
That's why we exist, is to do those things. So we say, okay, here's our mission. That's our mission. That's why we exist. You say, oh, I don't like why we exist. Then then we have to deal with Scripture on that. Because the church, apart from a mission statement or a mission phrasing like this, and you've seen all kinds of different ones, but a church that is anything but about loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and reaching out and making disciples of a world that lives in darkness is missing the boat on why they exist. It would be a group of people that have nothing to do with God and want to push Him away. People that are not centered on what Scripture would say. And so we have a mission. And it needs, to, it needs to boil up and burn inside of us so that when we do life, which happens on every other hour during the week, when we do life, that it stirs us to change what we do with those around us. It means that when you get cut off in traffic, the first question is, or the first statement is not, I hate that guy, he's a jerk. It's not that statement, it's, I wonder if he's saved. I wonder if he has a relationship with God. Or I wonder if he's having a bad day that I wish I could pull up beside him and just say, hey, dude, you doing okay? Because you seem to have cut right in front of me, and I'm not getting on your case, but I want to know, how, how are you and God? <laughs> yeah, I ain't doing that. I know the times we live in, and I realize that, that that's a dangerous proposition but it ought to be our first instinct. It ought to be just ingrained in us. So our mission is is why we exist. And then we start talking about these vision statements. And they're not some crazy thing, but they're they're vision statements, and, and they help us to clarify some things. They help us clarify our mission. So we... we want to look today at the process that we've gone through getting there. So there's some questions about process and how did you get to this spot where we have these vision statements and what do they mean? And so I want to look at those a little bit and, and I also want us to talk about what it doesn't mean. And then we're going to go through a little bit more of the detail of that. So a vision statement, vision is just a statement of preferred future. It's a reflection of what God wants to do in and through a body of believers. It's what could and should be. So when you think about that definition of vision, that it's a preferred future, this is what we want to look at. If we had everything that we could possibly want, we would want these four statements to, to be what we're, how we do things. Okay? Well, maybe not how we do things, what we do. Okay? So these are the what statements. So we're going to get, walk through those one at a time. Um, and we use the acrostic pray. And um, P stands for promote, R stands for reach, A is administer, and we're going to talk about that one this morning, and then Y is yield. And you remember that the P for promote talked about doing small groups, authentic small groups that reproduce. And then we said that, that uh, we have it on the screen, to be the church, to be the church by providing points of biblical connectivity among professing believers through authentic small group environments that reproduce. 
Essentially, we want you to connect with people. And so that's the first one. That's the promote part. The reach is, is the R. It's to be the church by equipping and sending believers to engage people in intentional gospel conversations throughout the community and the world. So that's the second part. And it means that we're going to be this place where we equip folks and say, how do you share your faith? We equip and then we send. And so if we, if we talked about promote and Sunday school and small group environments, connect groups and all those kind of things, we would talk about training teachers and developing more small groups so that people get, can, can get connected. And we would evaluate what we're doing and move forward. Now, we'll talk about that in a little while. And then the reach part of it would be that equipping. I'll tell you right now that come January, we're going to be doing a six-part series called Tell Someone. Tell someone, tell somebody. Still tell someone, thank you. I didn't write it down. So beginning of January, we start this series on Sunday morning, Tell Someone. So you'll want to be here. Because that, that is a way to learn, it's a very simple way to learn how to share your faith. Whether it be at a grocery store or on a ball field or at your job or somewhere else. We're going to talk about that. So that's the reach part of it. And then we did, then the third piece is administer. It says to be the church by stewarding our resources, including staff, facilities, and properties as people and places that foster worship, discipleship, and community engagement. So that's the one we're going to unpack this morning. And then the last one is the, the, um, the Y letter, yield. And it, it means to be the church by exhibiting a safe environment for people to biblically navigate life's journey and foster discussion of current issues growing in the practical application of godly truth. You know what that means? Essentially, we provide a place for people to wrestle with their faith. We want to be that place where somebody can come in and say, I don't get it, but I want to. Or I don't get it, and I have questions. And they can come in here, and, and we can surround them, not in a bad way, but surround them and give them that safe, safe place to ask the questions that they're working through. Uh, let me give you a for instance. Somebody that struggles with same-sex attraction has lots of issues when they start going through the Bible and say, how does that happen with what I read in Scripture? And they need a place to share that, and outwardly it makes us very uncomfortable, but it's something that people wrestle with. And so instead of them going down to a coffee shop or a bar or somewhere else to wrestle with faith issues and their relationship with God, they need to be able to come here. And I know that's going to make us uncomfortable. It's going to make us squirm in our seats when we start talking about those kind of issues. But why would the church exist anyways if we didn't do that? Because our faith cannot be put on a shelf over there like something else we put on a shelf. Our faith needs to be practical. We've got stuff in our house that never comes off the shelf. And it's not practical for use. It's practical to look at. And our faith needs to be more than just some something to look at. It needs to be practical to use. And so we want to have that safe place. We also want to be that place where somebody who is dealing with tons of debt and goes, I don't know how I'm going to make it through next week if I don't get this check in the mail. 
Or, or I want to be somebody who gives more because I feel the need to give more, but I can't because I'm so strapped financially that if I can write a $5 check on Sunday, I'm doing really well. So we want to be that place that offers something that would help somebody grow in their relationship with God and grow in their ability to handle the resources that God has given them. So we talked about it, for instance, when we did this, we said Financial Peace University beginning in January is a place where somebody can walk through some of those financial issues in a way that makes sense and help meet some of those goals and needs in, in a family's life or in an individual's life. So that would be the yield part of this. And so we talked about, talked about that. So we have these four pieces, P-R-A-Y, promote, reach, administer, and yield. And so we said those are the four statements of our vision. So our mission is on the very top, and our mission is to develop authentic, authentic followers of Jesus Christ who impact the world. We're going to do it by these four pieces, and then under that, we're going to develop strategies. So look at this diagram. See if we can put that up. There's, there's the three pieces, the why, the what, and the how. Okay, let's go to that next one. And this is kind of how it looks. We have a mission that is fed by the vision, and it's those four pieces, and underneath that are vision strategies. This is how we're going to meet these vision goals or these what's. And so when we talk about doing financial peace or having discussions or evaluating what we do in Sunday school or connect group or something else, those are all strategies for helping us reach that target of being that group that promotes a small group connectivity that, that multiplies or reproduces. It's that equipping, equipping and sending. How do we do that? Well, we facilitate that by different ways, whether it's a class or a preaching series or a small group, or just asking questions, or getting out in the community. All those things become strategies for feeding those four vision statements. So that's what we're about. Now, you go, I need more detail. Some of the detail in strategy is not complete. It's a work in progress. Different opportunities open up, and they, they may fit what we need to do as a church and maybe what God calls us to do as a church, and we need to walk through that door. But three years from now, we really don't know what it looks like. And so we will develop strategies as we go and tweak the strategies as we go through this process. Some of them are in place. We'll talk about that with the administer part this morning. But one of the things that's in place is just to evaluate what we do in our small group ministries. And some of you had a little discussion of that last Sunday night. And it's like, I'd like to know the details. The details aren't available. Because we don't know the details. That's why we're doing the evaluation. It's just to say, what can we be more effective at? How can we do this better? How can we reach more people or connect more people? And so some of the strategies aren't fleshed out yet. And so if you have questions about that, I would say ask. It's okay to ask. It's okay to ask those kind of questions of, of staff. It's okay to ask those questions in groups and wrestle with it. 
But I, I know it can be somewhat frustrating going through that process. But it's a process for all of us. And so hang in there. The other thing I want to give you this morning at the end of the service is uh, there is a booklet. And I'll show you what it looks like because it looks a whole lot like your bulletin this morning. It looks just like this. Okay? But on the, and it's stapled. So you'll know the difference between the bulletin and this. is because this is stapled. Your bulletin is not. This has a lot more pages in it than your bulletin does. Aren't you glad? And it has our mission on the back. So you will get this, and if you walk through this, what it's going to give you is it's going to kind of share with you the process that we went through in developing the mission and vision statement and some of those things and some of the pieces that fit, that, that came into the consideration in developing those statements. And then in the back of the book is the budget for 2018. So they're kind of joined together. So you'll get that on the way out. And the reason you don't have it now, because if you had it now, I might as well just sit down. So, um, so you'll get that at the end of the service, and I want to encourage you just kind of to go through it. And we'll talk more about that as we go. So, so today, as we go through this and we start talking about the vision statement regarding a minister, we're talking about resources, Resources. Let, let's look at the administer vision statement one more time. To be the church by stewarding our resources. Stewarding our resources, okay? Including staff, facilities, and properties as people and places that foster worship, discipleship, and community engagement. Now I want you to catch it because there are some significant pieces in that that are going to stretch us. Uh, the first thing in that statement is that we would, we would be stewarding our resources. That's the first piece of this. So we're going to walk through some scriptures this morning we are, because we are stewards. So if you're filling out the bulletin, you know that the mission, the one word for mission is why. The one word for vision is what. And then our strategy is the how. But we are stewards. We are to steward resources. Because God owns it all. Understand that you only live a certain time period. And you gain a bunch of stuff during that time period. And when you die, you don't take it with you. Somebody else gets to use it. Somebody else has access to it. And so you become a steward of what God already owns. So if you think, I own this house. Actually, you pay the mortgage, and you get to live in it. You get the privilege of living in it, but you only get the privilege of living in it as long as you live. After that, it's over. So, so when we look at this, we have to understand that God owns it all. God owns it all. Listen to this verse in, um, in Psalm 50, verse 10. It says, for every beast of the forest is mine. This is God talking. Every beast of the forest is mine. That's good to know. I saw a buck running across the street this morning. Fortunately, he was way out in front of my car. And all I saw was he had, he had antlers. That's what, I, that's what I saw. And I don't know. I don't know anything about deer hunting because that's, I didn't grow up with that. 
But I saw him run across. I recognized something sticking out of his head. And when he crossed the street, he jumped a fence that I didn't see. And I looked at that and I went, God owns that. God owns that. In the second part of this verse, and this is a kind of how we look at it, the, for every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. God owns it all. There's nothing that is not his. And so just as he created us, just as he created the world around us, we have to understand that we are just placed here as a privilege and even being having the availability or the opportunity to worship in this place is a privilege for us because God could have parked us anywhere in the world he wanted to. And so we've been given the opportunity to steward what God already owns. Verse 23 in that same psalm says, He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. And to him who orders his way aright, I shall show the salvation of God. Understand what he says. He says, I'm in control. Me, God, is in control. And you're stewards of what I already own. And when you are thankful for what I've given you, then God honors that. God blesses that. Only God is God. The second part of this, not only does God own it all, but God blesses the giver. God blesses the giver. Look at Malachi 3.10. Look what it says. It says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. And then it goes on to say, If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Now, I am not big into prosperity gospel kind of things. You know, if you will just send $100, God will multiply that. And if you will touch the, the screen of your TV, then you will be blessed. And I'll send you a prayer cloth and, and I'll, you know, all these different things that you can see on TV. Not about that. But I think there's a principle that when we are faithful to give what God asks us to give, that he blesses that. There is a reason he blesses it. It's because giving, according to Scripture, shows our dependence on him. And God is a God who enjoys his kids showing faith and trust in him. And when we hold back, we're saying, I'm going to stand back here. I'm not going to give you what Scripture tells that I need to give. I'm going to stand back here because I have a better idea of what to do with these resources than you do, God. And so if you go, I have a hard time giving. It's, it's not about a wallet issue. It's a heart issue. And so when you talk about Malachi 3.10, bring all the tithe in the storehouse, the, the issue is not, can I afford to do it? The issue is more like, can I afford not to do it? So guys, we've got to be, we got to be those, that group of folks that, that we are known by our giving. You see, the world sees us and they say, how come they can't afford to, to fix this? Or how come they can't afford to do that? I hate to see churches when you drive by the yard and it's overgrown. And it's like nobody has touched it. It's because they don't steward what God has given them well. 
And either the membership has not stepped up or they've not stepped up in such a way to be able to afford somebody else to cut the grass. And it does nothing to the community around them but end up being a black eye on the church of Jesus Christ because of people not being faithful. Guys, we've got to be ones that are willing to give because God calls us to give. 2 Corinthians 9-7 is, is one of those passages that we look at. It says, each one must do just as he has proposed or purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. You've heard that. The word cheerful meaning hilarious. But, but nobody, when you come to church, ought to have to sit next to you and pull out a crowbar to get to your wallet. It ought to be one of those, God, everything back here, see, I don't even care I walk. Uh, everything in my wallet is yours. Everything. And so we have to become people that are not just givers, but we're givers and glad to be givers. Happy to do that. Are we happy because it blesses us? Yeah, it blesses us. But we ought to be more happy because it, it causes us to do what the choir sang earlier, to sing and shout about the grace of God in our lives. We're happy to give it because God has already given his son so that we can have eternal life. We become hilarious givers, joyful givers. God blesses the giver. Grace produces generosity. So I can't be generous. Consider the grace that you've received from God. Consider the mercy that you've received from God. Consider the provision that God has given you. In all that, does it not make sense that God who gives more than we can imagine will be the same God that will provide when we're in need? God is a giver. And he's the first, the giver of grace. See, grace produces generosity. It was true in Acts 2. It was true in Acts 4 where it says, the people gave as the need arose. There was no holding back. And where there was holding back, we saw how that turned out. Go and, go and read some of those passages in Acts in the early church and see how it turned out for those that said, I'll sell my land, but I'm going to keep back from God. Does not go well. Great grace produces generosity. It produces generosity in time. How you use your time, how you schedule your time. And I was thinking about this and, and thinking about different people here in this, in this congregation. Like Brad back there, he works with House and Grounds. We'll talk about House and Grounds in a little bit. I, I don't know what his schedule is. I know it's weird. But he uses his time to come and fix things and make sure things are right. That's one person. Anthony is another one of those guys that, that tends to have the time to give or stewards his time well because he seems to be able to go off on disaster relief trips every time a disaster happens, and that's not scheduled. He just goes because he understands that, that time is one of those areas that God owns as well. 
Finances is another one. And I'm not going to call out anybody's finances. Aren't you glad? But finances is another place. And some of you are generous givers, and some of you hold back. Because if everybody was a generous giver, if everybody tithed according to what Scripture tells us, there would not be a need for us to sit in a finance budget team meeting and decide what needs to be cut and what can be left in a budget. We wouldn't have that issue. Our struggle would be, how can we, how can we use this best to God's glory and, and let's do it with excellence? Let's let this be a place of starting at this corner and going around the world where there, because we can, because the opportunity is there. The second, the third thing, not just time and finances, but talent. I mean, there is, there is a slew of, there's more instruments up here. There, there were a slew of folks up here using their talent for God. They've stewarded their energy. And they've said, I'm willing to do that. God has gifted me to, to strum or to pick or to beat or to you know, do all the things up here. They've stewarded that, that talent. Same thing up in the sound booth and video. If you, have, if you know how to do that stuff, we're always looking for folks uh, to, to be part of that ministry. So jump in. Say, I'll be willing to do that. Come see Pastor Wayne. He'll put you to work. So use your talents. There, there's a group of folks that are putting together a float for the Christmas parade, December 2nd, down in Hillsboro. I don't know what it looks like, but I know who's in charge of it. First of all, God's in charge of it, but then he's using folks like Michael and Amber and others that have, that have given their time and their talent to putting that together. So they can put their names on it and say, hey, look at the float we built. No. So they can get down there and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to people that may not know him. So God's using their talents to do that. Peyton's going to come up here in a little while and play that thing. That big, the big wooden thing with strings and, and keys and junk. She's going to come up here and she's going to play that. And she's going to use her talent to glorify God. There are things that you can do and things that God has given you where you can, that you can steward and make best use of it to bring him glory. Grace produces generosity in a myriad of ways, and then grace also produces an eternal perspective. Ecclesiastes 3.11, and we've talked about this on a Wednesday night, that God has set eternity in the heart of man. It means that there's something bigger than what's here. And so when we start to understand the grace of God and generous giving, we understand that there's more than just this life. And so you think that house that you own or pay the mortgage on or that car or whatever, you think that's all there is, that's gonna, hopefully that will bless somebody else. But it's even more than that. How will you use it for the kingdom of God? How, you, how will you steward that? I brought something up here this morning. that I did not grow up with. When I was growing up, we didn't use those. Everything went in, the, in a single trash can, and we dumped it. 
That was what happened. And then somebody decided that, it, that technology and, and what they were learning and all those kind of things, we could take part of what was getting thrown in a single trash can and we could take it and we could do something with it. So they started to say, take bottles like this and put them in a recycle bin because we're going to figure out a way to use that in a, again. And so they would reuse it. And it's, it's stewarding what God has given. So we talk about recycle. It's stewardship. And it's a better way of doing stewardship. I would love to see the things that go in here become that which fuels our vehicles. I don't know if it'll ever happen. It definitely needs to go more than 25 miles an hour. I don't live at a 25-mile-an-hour pace. I'm sorry. But, but we need to be stewards. And it's the same thing with what God gives us as resources. The second thing is that we are ambassadors. We're ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says that, that we are ambassadors for the cause of Christ that we take the gospel to people that don't know him. We basically represent God to others. And so this whole idea of being, being resourcing who we are and what we're about means that we take that which God has given us and we share it with others. We are ambassadors and we have rights. It's interesting that when you're an ambassador and you're part of God's family, that you have a right. You have a right to anything. Romans 8, let me flip over there, 16 and 17, says this. says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. That's awesome. To be an ambassador of to be an ambassador of God means when we have that relationship with Christ through the blood of Christ and what was shed on Calvary, and we have that forgiveness of sin, and we're no longer responsible for that penalty, that we become heirs with Christ. We have an inheritance that goes beyond this life. I don't know what my kids are looking forward to. I know they're hoping I have a will. And they may be sitting back just licking their chops going, he's getting older. And I'm to encourage him to go out and run. Maybe something will happen, you know. Um, I don't know how they think. I'm, I'm scared to even think about how they think sometimes. But when I think of my inheritance in Christ and how much greater that is than anything I can put on paper in this life, then I have to question whether I'm being as generous with what God has given me as God is with as as God is to me in my life. We're ambassadors for Christ. The other thing is that we have responsibilities. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about how the body of Christ is put together. It is joined together. And so if that is true, then I have to understand and you have to understand that we don't do this alone. I can't say to Wayne, I don't need you anymore. Or Gary, I don't need you anymore. Can't do that. And neither can Ken can't say, hey, Bob, I don't need you. 
And we go around the room. We need each other. I need Kyle. I need Joe. I need them on board. And just as, as they need me to support them in the ministries that God has called them to. We have a mutual responsibility with one another to not just say we have the grace of God, but to be generous with the grace of God. So we are here to resource what God has given us. To be that family of God that says, says God, you're the most important thing for us. So we want to resource what God has given us. And we want to steward it well. Now let me show you how this plays out in strategies. Okay? So let's look at, look, look at that statement again. To be the church by stewarding our resources, including staff, facilities, and properties as people and places that foster worship, discipleship, and community engagement. All right? So that's the vision for this piece. That's the, that's the A part. We say, well, how does that work? I'm going to give you some, some things here. The first one is in people. How do we resource people? We say we're already in process with one of these. It's to, to search and call a full-time children's minister. Somebody that works with our preschool and children that will come alongside not just children, but come alongside parents and guardians to be in our schools, to do those things. That's one of the strategies is we're pursuing that so that we can fulfill this. The second piece of this is to increase the number serving in hospitality and greeters. You say, well, I think we have enough. We have enough if we just stay outside in the foyer. But what would happen if somebody came to this church not knowing who Jesus Christ was and showed up on campus and, and they looked around and say, I don't have a clue where to go. And I'm going to have to find my way inside the building. And then once I get in, I've got to figure out where I'm supposed to go inside. What would happen if we had people that actually went out into the parking lot on a weekly basis and greeted people? What would happen? They get out of their car and say, I don't know where to go. Well, I can show you where to go or I can tell you where to go. And they lead them straight into another group of people that says, I'll connect you with a Sunday school teacher or a small group leader so that you can get into a room with people just like you that are dealing with the same kind of things you're dealing with in your life. You can't do that with, with the numbers that we have. So one of the resources that we have available to us is you. And so we need more people that would step into that area and, if, and allow us to do that. Now, I realize on a day like today, lots of volunteers. Because it is pleasant outside. A little chilly, but it's pleasant. But on that day where it's raining or snowing, or it's cold and windy, or it's 115 in the parking lot. Those days become really hard for those that are working that ministry. But the need doesn't go away when, things, when the weather doesn't cooperate. In fact, those are times when it's probably more critical we have people outside directing than it is when it's really nice. I'd wander outside in this parking lot all day long like this. But if it's pouring down rain, I want to get inside as quick as possible and get where I need to get. 
So people is one area. The second area is our facilities. Talked a little bit about how do you get around. One of the things that we've got to evaluate is adjusting our signage and our decor. What does it say? Can you, can you pull onto the property and know where you're supposed to go if you're a guest? It's tough. Uh, it's hard to look at that when you're sitting in here. But when you go off campus and come back on next time, see if you're a guest and you can figure out where to go and how you're supposed to get there. We have to make it friendly. Part of that is just adjusting what we already know to do and we've just not done it. So adjusting our signage and our decor to say, hey, this is the kind of church we are. And reminding, I'd love to see reminders in the foyer out there of why we exist to develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ to impact the world. I'd love to see that out there. So we're going to work to, to get it there to remind us of why we're even here. And then the other, the second piece of this is use our buildings as instruments of community engagement. Now, I'm going to just go ahead and tell you it's going to make some of you nervous. Because people that come in from outside don't always use the building the way we would use it. But in guarding it through some, some guidelines, we want to invite community groups to use our facility. You go, I don't know if that's a good idea. Let me ask you this. If we have hospitality and greeter folks in place, and a group from outside the church comes and uses our building, do we not have the opportunity to build relationships with those that do not know Jesus Christ? So we have to be open to that. It's a process. So this is not happening like this Wednesday. But it's a process we work through and say, we want to be about reaching the community for Christ. So we want to use our facilities that way. The third area is properties. To develop North Campus to meet the needs of, com of the community. Now I want you to hear that. Don't look at the bottom. Not yet. Develop North Campus to meet the needs of the community. That means that not just in the community, like we've parked here, but for the community. What are the community's needs? And how can we use the campus, this campus and North Campus, to do that? So if the community, um, for instance, it's not on paper, it's not there, okay? For instance, the community needs a place for young adults to hang out, something like a Frisbee golf course. My daughter does Frisbee golf every once in a while. Anybody can do it. We said, that's a need, and it would get people on campus that we develop that because that is a way to reach the community. If it means building a building, if it means building a ball field or, or doing something different to attract community, we would do that in order that people would understand what the gospel is and give us opportunity because it's ours to go out there and have, have conversations. If you had a thousand kids come across that property during a, a ball, a baseball season, or a football season, or some other season, and we had fifty people from here that are willing to go out there on a regular basis, do you think there'd be conversations that would take place and relationships built that would allow us to share Christ? 
The second part of this is to eliminate the debt of $540,000 roughly by 2023. I said, man, that's ambitious. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure God owns it all. And if God's people are faithful to give, this won't be an issue. We'll pursue it. And it'll stop being the, the albatross around our neck that keeps us from doing what God that from keeps us from doing what God wants us to do. If we eliminated that, we'd be able to do so much more for the kingdom of God. So we need to be a people that are willing to step up and do it. So 2023, it's ambitious. Pray hard. Just pray hard. It essentially means that we have to give double what we're giving right now to paying off the debt of North Campus. And in the meantime, figure out how we're going to develop that land to do something for our community. I've, in studying this, I'm praying, understanding that God's in charge. There's a lot of things ahead of us. And I know there's going to be conversation at lunch. I know there'll be conversation, conversation during the week about what God may be calling us to do. But this I know. God's people are not meant to sit in seats. God's buildings are not meant to be empty most of the time. All of that has been given so that we can do what we're supposed to do as the people of God in this community for this time. In the booklet you're going to get, part of that is going to be the house and grounds budget. House and grounds involves these things. So we look at that list. It's coming. There it is. Utilities, insurance, office expense, taxes, vehicles, accounting services, advertising, and our website and mobile app. And if you don't have our mobile app, you need to get it. Right? There is a way to find it. Search. Do a search for Ebenezer, and you will find, you'll find our app. You'll find calendar things on there and notifications and all that kind of stuff. But that's just one piece of it. You guys enjoy the weather in here, right? Most of the time. I know we've talked about it, sometimes too cold, sometimes too warm. But, but a lot of times it's pretty good. That's part of utilities. Office expense is the same way. We do those things. And these are things that, that we do to not just keep this campus up, like resealing the parking lot. Some of the cracks in the parking lot, that's going to get done. That comes out of these budgets. To take care of that, to take care of our roof, to wax floors, to clean restrooms, all that comes out of this area. So when we talk about budget, it's, it's personnel and all those uh, and ministries and all that, but some of it is just behind-the-scenes stuff. And some of it is expensive. So when you look through the budget this afternoon, understand that House and Grounds is a way to utilize or resource what God has given us better. So don't look at it like it's utilities. Look at it as a resourced, a resourced item. It's a ministry. And it's part of ministry. We serve a really big God. And authentic believers are called 
by invitation to be all in. It means all in on the house and grounds budget. It means all in in missions and, and other ministries. To be not just people to come and park on Sunday, but be all in about sharing the gospel, being authentic followers who impact the world. That's what it means. And so my question for you this morning is, are you all in? If you've never become a follower of Jesus, greatest life that you could ever possibly live with the greatest responsibilities you could ever have. Grace of God. The second thing I want to ask, ask you is to commit or recommit to being on board using our resources for the glory of God. Are you willing to commit or recommit to doing that? For some of you, it may mean that now you have to start writing a check or giving online, which you can do. It may mean that. It may mean that God has given you a talent that you've not talked to Wayne about or, or Pastor Curry or, or Pastor Scott. You may have some way that you can be utilized in ministry that, that you've just not brought up to them. I want to encourage you to commit to it this morning. And do what God has called you to do. Do what God has asked you to do by His grace. Let's pray. Father, we are in this place understanding that you are in control, that you are God. And Father, as we talk about giving and strategies and vision and resources and all those things, understanding that you are the God of everything, you're the creator of all of it. When we look back at Scripture, it says, in the beginning, God. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to be so committed to you, so all in with you, to live out the grace that you've poured on us so that the world would see authentic followers and the gospel would, be, would become the most important thing in our life and how we resource ourselves and all that you've given us would be for your glory and honor. And so, Father, I pray that as we, as we stand and as we sing, that, that if there's something you've called us to do, whether it's to give our life to Christ or recommit to the things you've called us to, Father, that we would be that obedient people that you take pleasure in, not people that quench the Spirit. And so, God, I pray that you would do that in us, just stir us and, and make make that whole idea of who we are in Christ bubble up inside so that we can be the people of God you've called us to be. And we thank you for the opportunity and how you love us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? And as God calls you, whether it's to come and pray in the front, whether it's to give your life to Christ, whether it's to recommit your resources, do what God's called you to do and don't hesitate this morning. You come as we say.
Your name 
things that we have been speaking about this morning and over the last couple of weeks, all of this requires for us to let it just be about Jesus, to kind of put aside um, my opinions and my thoughts, my worries and my concerns about change and redirection and what that means for me personally, and just let it be about him and about what he wants to do and about how he wants to use us, and about where he wants to reach. And if we can truly say that, oh, what God will do will be amazing. It will be phenomenal. Psalm 103, it says, My soul, praise Yahweh. All that is within me, praise his holy name. My soul, praise the Lord, and do not forget his benefits. It goes on to talk about how God forgives and he heals and he redeems and he has love and compassion on his people. It talks about how he is fair and just, how he's righteous, how he is rich in love and how he is faithful. This is what Thanksgiving is about, is remembering those benefits that we have in Jesus. You know, I think about the benefits I have at work. You know, we've got insurance, I get a paycheck and all of those kind of things. But the benefits that God gives us as part of his family, as his kids, is just remarkable and amazing. Let's thank him for that this morning. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Worship his holy name. Sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I'll worship your holy name. The sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, Worship His holy name. Sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I'll worship Your holy name. Your rich in love and Your soul to anger. Your name is great and your heart is kind. For all your goodness I will keep on singing. Ten thousand reasons for my heart to find. 
So bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your holy name. Strength is failing, the end draws near, and my time has come. Still, my soul will sing your praise unending. Ten thousand years, and then forevermore. Bless the Lord. Worship His holy name. Sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I worship Your holy name. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Oh, my soul, worship His holy name. Father, not just this week, but always. But Lord, especially this week, let us take time to not just enjoy a lot of food, but God, to count our blessings, to really look and consider what you've done for us, how good you are to us. God, forgive me when I complain about what I don't have and forget what you have given me. God, we love you so much. Be honored and glorified through the rest of our afternoon, our day, our week, as we seek ways to worship you, not just here, but in every place you put us. In Christ's name, amen.
Thank you, Peyton. Good job. That's an example of uh, someone using the talents that God has given them to glorify his name. So thank you for that this morning. Uh, just a couple of announcements as we get ready to dismiss. As you exit today, the uh, ushers will be at the doors. They're going to give you a copy of the handout that Pastor Bob referred to in the message. So pick one of those up on the way out. As you make your way back to the gym, you will also see a couple of signs back there. Uh, you've heard mention of pictures being taken today. So I uh, just want to encourage everyone to stop by. You, this is going to be very quick, okay? This isn't one of like one of those Owen Mills pose things, all that going on. It's going to be step in the room, take a picture, and then you're out. So we want to encourage everybody to do that. It's going to help us in a couple of ways. First of all, it's going to help us with having pictures of families for our uh, uh, online through Realm so you can see who people are, our directory online. But also, you'll, get a, you'll receive a copy of that electronically as well. So I just want to give you an opportunity. We're not going to sell you anything. You're not going to be sold a package. This is going to be a picture you can all right, so please stop by. Two rooms are set up as you go in the preschool hall on the right. You'll see signs for those two rooms. Then also back all the way in the gym, we have, we're set up for our Thanksgiving family meal. So we look forward to that time together as well. If you're a guest with us today, we want to encourage you that whether you brought food or not, please stay with us. We'd love to have you and visit with you in the back. So I just want to ask you as we get ready to dismiss, go ahead and stand together. And I just want to ask you to, Join hands with the people beside you or el touch elbows if you'd rather do that. Uh, but just uh, this is just an expression, a way of us joining our hands together. But we're really, it's a representation of something much deeper. That is, as believers, when we come together, that we are bound together by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so it is by joining our hands together. It's just a representation of what that looks like. So let's go to the Lord in prayer today. Thank you so much, God, for for who you are. Lord, your grace is amazing. And it's so wonderful to be called a, a child of God. Lord, we thank you for your grace that you have extended to us to make that possible. We know that we have done nothing to earn your favor, to earn your grace. There's nothing that we can do, Lord, to put ourselves in a right standing with you. It is all by your grace, Lord, that we are saved. We thank you for the truth of the gospel. And as we stand here this morning, I do pray, Lord, over everyone who's here, Lord, that you will just help us see and understand in our own hearts where we are in that journey. Uh, I pray that you will reveal truth to people by the power of your spirit. I very well may be someone in this room who does that, have that relationship with you because they've based it on their works or what they're trying to do to impress or accomplish or Put on the mask, but Father, I pray that you'll break those barriers down, reveal the need that they have in their life, and draw them to yourself. And Father, as we stand together as believers, Lord, we know we are united by the power of the Holy Spirit, something much deeper than we can ever do or conjure up on our own. It's not about that, Lord. It is about your work in and through us. So as we stand here this morning, as we move towards a Thanksgiving day, Lord, we stand thankful Thankful for Christ, thankful for your grace, thankful for your mercy, thankful for the body of Christ, Lord, that we have brothers and sisters, that we can love each other, uh, we can encourage one another, uh, we can challenge one another, Lord, we can grow together. So as we dismiss now and as we move into the Family Life Center to celebrate together as a church family, I pray that you'll bless our time together. 
Thank you for the food, Lord, that we know is even the message proclaimed today. It belongs to you. It is from you, and we praise you for it. Lord, uh, we love you, (laughs) and we praise you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church. We welcome you to join us next Sunday at 1030 a.m. for our weekly worship service. If you have found this resource helpful, then please share it with others and check out our ministries at ebcconnect.org.